Welcome to the Full Press Fantasy Podcast, part of the Full Press Radio Network. I'm your host, Kyle Sandra, and joining me is my co-host, Kayla Morton. Kayla, how are you doing? I'm doing great. The A's wildcard game is tonight, and I'm super excited. Yes, we were recording this on Wednesday, uh, October. Yeah, you getting get used to saying October now, October the 2nd. So yeah, uh, baseball wildcard, which uh, I suppose this is the Full Press Fantasy Podcast, not necessarily fantasy football, so I'll, I'll allow... I'll allow some A's talk. It seems like you're an Oakland A's fan. Yeah, I love the A's. Mostly because of my dad, but um, him and I really connect when it comes to sports. So he grew up around the time when the A's were really successful and won some World Series. So I uh, just kind of trickled down. Uh, he's not a Dolphins fan, but we do share the love for the Oakland A's and the Washington Capitals and uh, Liverpool, if you follow uh, <laughs> English soccer. <laughs> All right. I mean, for me, Liverpool's like, that's where the Beatles are from. So it must be a good place. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so the A's, I mean, I'm I'm not a baseball fan at all. I, I can barely stand to watch the game. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I do have a lot of respect for the A's GM. Um, I mean, he, he's, you know, one of the most responsible people for bringing analytics into to sport and uh, and showing that it, it can be successful. So, yeah. uh, Brand, Brandon, Brandon Bean is his name? Billy Bean. Billy, Billy Bean. Bean, yeah. Brandon Bean's the G, the Bills GM, not not the same guy. <laughs> it's okay, you're still on football. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, football brain, especially in-season, is never is never off. Uh, and honestly, I, I don't mind talking about the A's. Alessandro seems to always want to talk about the Yankees. And uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm generally... I generally root for underdogs, so like teams like the Patriots, the Yankees. Like I just want to see those teams lose. I, just, I don't want to see those teams be in the playoffs yeah, I and stuff. Agree with you. Sorry, I Alessandro. Yankees fans, you know, talking crap about the A's. I'm like, yo, you all have how much money, and you still played Oakland in the wild card last year? I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and obviously Alessandro isn't here. Uh, Alessandro Senator, uh, our other co-host, so uh, just. Uh, couldn't make it today this uh busy work day so uh that's fine because then we can be spared of yankees talk and <laughs> no nah, i'm just kidding alessandro we, we miss you yes we do <laughs> we miss your in-depth injury reports for every player on every team True. yeah he is pretty well connected he does know stuff so it's it's yes. good uh but anyway yeah we're here talking about week four or week five preview sorry i just finished the week four red zone report so i still have week four in the brain week five yes here we go uh it's starting tomorrow technically so we have the Saint, the Rams and the Seahawks playing. So, Kayla, why don't you start us off with this game? What are, you, what are we thinking fantasy-wise in this contest? Yeah, sure. Um, so for the Rams, even on the road, um, I think you have to start Todd Gurley. I know people might be a little nervous about that because he only had five carries last game, but that was because the game turned into a very pass-heavy game. Um, that was probably the, the Bucks and the Rams was the most shocking game of the week, in my opinion. I thought the Rams were going to kill them, uh, and... I don't even know what to say about it. I'm still kind of in shock. Um, but even though Gurley only had five carries on the ground, two of them were for touchdowns. He was also targeted 11 times in the passing game. Um, and Seattle is in the middle of the pack when it comes to rush defense. So I don't think Jared Goff is going to attempt 68 passes in this game. Uh, while it could be a high-scoring game, I think it's going to be a good Thursday night matchup, just like we had last week. Um, 
but I think Gurley should get some more carries on the ground and make a little bit of a difference. Um, for wide receivers, for the uh, Rams, I want to start Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Last week, Robert Woods caught 13 of 15 balls for 164 yards. Um, his high volume of catches has continued this season with his target ratio. Um, he converts long plays, but he's not a boomer bust candidate. It seems like he's able to get open in the short field and the long field. Uh, which is always helpful when it comes to fantasy. Um, and Cooper Cup, I personally, even though I think the Rams have the, top, the best um, top three receivers in the league, I think Cooper Cup has a slight edge and seems to be the number one wide receiver for golf. Um, he's topped 100 yards in three straight weeks and leads the wide receiver core in touchdowns. He has three in the first four games of the season. Um, when it comes to possibly starting people, um, I'm looking at Jared Goff. Yes, he had 517 yards last week, but he also had three intercepts three interceptions um and his touchdown and interception ratio is tied at six for six um so his 68 pass attempts while you know that kind of bolsters why he had a couple more interceptions um that's going to be an outlier game he's not going to attempt that many passes he was what two or three off of the nfl record for attempts in a game or something like that but he's not going to continue um i also look at brandon cooks as a maybe even though he's a top He's in the top receiving core, in my opinion, but he seems to be the number three receiver in the offense. And even though he got nine targets last week, uh, the yardage was below Cup and Woods, and he didn't get any touchdowns, um, and his yards didn't make up for it. So I think um, there could be other options this week, but I think he is a solid start. Um, but I would just watch maybe for a week or two on if his targets can pick up more yards. Um, for the Rams, I'm going to sit. Uh, both tight ends, Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett. Again, they had outlier games based on the heavy pass. Um, Everett caught a touchdown, but he he probably won't have that again. Um, Higby didn't do so great. I mean, I think I think they caught at least four passes each, um, but that's not going to continue. Um, I'm also going to sit the Rams defense. They seem to be a Jekyll and Hyde type of team. They should not have lost to Tampa Bay at home under any circumstances. Um, the defensive scores and the turnovers saved them in fantasy last week, but giving up over 500 yards passing plus what they gave up a little while on the ground, um, that's just unacceptable, and I can't trust them uh, if they're going to do that against teams that they shouldn't, even though they've had success this season. Um, on the opposite side of the football for Seattle, I'm going to start Russell Wilson. Um, he should be in another high-scoring game. He's topped 300 yards twice this year and has multiple touchdowns in uh, three of the four games. And last week, uh, the Rams allowed Jameis Winston four touchdowns and 385 yards. Uh, so that bodes well for Wilson's production. Um, for Seattle, Chris Carson finally didn't fumble. I'm going to start him. Um, even if Rashad Penny returns, it looks like he should be locked into around 15 carries per game. And that uh, is starter caliber status for even running backs who aren't in committees um he has a higher opportunity for touchdowns in this game so i like him as a start this week um i also like wide receiver tyler lockett he's still a number one wide receiver even though his production went down last week he's 26 for 32 on the year and his pattern of touchdown is he gets one one week and doesn't get it the next week so if that pattern continues he's due for a touchdown in this game um, and then I also like tight end Will Disley. He has four touchdowns in the last three games. He had the only Seattle passing touchdown last game. Um, this game also, again, gives more opportunities for scores. And the Rams are in the middle of the pack against tight end defense. Um, he's emerged as the number two borderline number one wide receiver, or not wide receiver, but just receiver, uh, 
for Seattle. So I think he should see an uptick in targets, and hopefully that means an uptick in production. Um, possibly you could start DK Metcalf. His volume of usage is decreasing, though, and he has no um, t- uh, touchdowns since week two. He's third in the pecking order for the team, but the high-scoring game could save him. That's why he's not a sit. I think he has the opportunity to uh, have a little bit more production this week. And then I'm going to sit Seattle's defense, um, just like I'm going to sit the Rams' defense. I think this could be a high-scoring game like I keep harping on. So uh, it doesn't bode well for either team to give up a lot of points. I, I like a lot of that. There's really not much for me to say. You were so elegant and uh, eloquent with uh, with all the explanations. Uh, it's funny how in both your maybes, you've got Brandon Cooks, DK Metcalf, and they both kind of play the same roles on their team. They're both deep threats, which kind of gives them that that boom-bust appeal. Um, now, thinking it will be a big shootout, I like playing both of them. Of course, again, it all it all depends on what the rest of your uh, roster's uh, consisting of. I know I've got Metcalf in a league where you know, my top two receivers are Adams and Galladay. Galladay's on by and doesn't look like Adams is going to play. So in a case like that, it's like, okay, well, I, I'm playing Metcalf for sure. But agreed, if, if you have better options, there there might be receivers that get more volume. But again, if... If if we and I and I agree with you that this matchup probably will be a big shootout. I definitely want to target as many players from this as possible. Now we right. we yeah oh sorry again. I'm just saying we've seen Thursday night games where it, it does, the shootout doesn't really happen. We we expect it to and the defense start take over. But then last week again you you already referenced it, the Packers Eagles game. Both teams put up a lot of points, so uh, maybe the defenses are a little tired on the short week. Right, yeah, and I was just going to say, I know a lot of people probably think I'm not a Brandon Cooks fan. I like him as a player. Um, I just, since it's a fantasy podcast, I'm going off their stats. Um, Obviously, in your situation, I would absolutely play Brandon Cooks. That seems like a must-start option, like you said. Um, I just think, also, you know, even if you drafted him high in the draft, then you're probably going to want to start him. He's probably one of your top two wide receivers on your team. Um, so definitely start him if he fits into your lineup. I'm just saying if you have better options, you know, he looks to be third. But again, I don't like starting players who are like boomer bust options. So, I mean, I think he definitely he's consistent. I mean, he caught all nine of his targets last week um, and he did well. Just his yards weren't as high as I would like. But he's definitely not a sit It's just maybe depending on who you have on your team, in my opinion. And, I mean, the first two weeks, it was a little scary. Six targets, then four targets. Uh, yeah. He managed to score a touchdown week two, which salvaged it. But then, since then, 12 targets and then nine targets. So, uh, it seems like after those first two weeks, they've really made a conscious effort to get him more involved. Uh, and certainly coming off a loss, their first of the season, you think the Rams are going to just go back to what has worked and uh, pepper right. him, maybe pepper him even more. Not, not pepper's the right word. Uh, but, again, I, I close to 10 targets is, seems viable in this game. Uh, and I guess we'll move on to the next game. So we've got, uh, so that was the NFC West uh, divisional tilt on Thursday night, and we're going to another divisional game, the Ravens and Steelers, representing the AFC North. Uh, on the Ravens side of things, I, I believe Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, Mark Ingram, those those are three main starters who are all, I think they're all in the top five of their positions right now, fantasy-wise. So um i don't really see as much as the steelers kind of shut down the Bengals. i think it, the ravens are a much better team than the Bengals are so i, I don't see that how the steelers are going to shut them down when they've really struggled to do that against any quality opponents this year and i know the ravens have kind of had some games against some not so great teams but i still think they're you know again better than the Bengals. <laughs> right. <laughs> probably isn't saying much um 
Steelers side. So things are going to come down to uh, right now. The, I guess the James Conner news is: is he practicing or not? Uh, I mean, if he plays, I think you you have to put him in. This Ravens defense isn't what it was last year. They, just between this year and last year, they've lost a lot of pieces. And right now, they've allowed the sixth most fantasy points to to uh, running backs in uh, half point PPR settings. So that I mean, and the Steelers are seventh, so it's not like they're much better. But like this, the, I mean, the, you know, a year ago, sixth most fantasy points allowed to any position would be unheard of. But all the pieces they've lost, you know, this isn't. This isn't the Ravens defense that uh, is capable of winning championships. Probably it's going to have to be on the offense, which fantasy purposes helps those who have uh, Ravens players, because then, you, you know, a guy like Jackson's probably going to have to throw the ball in this game. But again, I, I like playing Connor. And then if he's not playing, I like playing Jalen Samuels. And then Juju's also a must start, even though he's been disappointing this year. I think you, you still have to keep riding with him. You can't you can't bench him at this point. I, I like those calls. Um, Juju scares me a little bit. Uh, he's the reason I lost in my money lead by two points Ooh. last week. Yeah. Um, I did have James Conner, but uh, God, Juju just didn't get it. It was so it was so disappointing. I've lost two games in that league this year so far by a combined four points. So uh, it's just frustrating. I think, um, like you said, though, you can't give up on him. I think he's still trying to form chemistry with Mason Rudolph. And I think as the weeks go on, he's going to form it a little bit better. And the game tilted to where it was better to rush against Cincinnati uh, anyway. So the kind the game conditions kind of didn't work in his favor. Um, it could be a bounce back game for Juju. I, where you drafted him, I know I drafted him in the second round. So yep. you can't you can't sit him. Um, Agreed. I, I have him. I'm in the second round in a league as well, and same thing, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I went third round Mike Evans and fourth round Tyler Lockett, and I happened to have Tyrell Williams later on in the draft. And even though he's injured, I have some options for wide receivers, So, but most people probably didn't do that scheme. I'm paying for it when it comes to running backs on this team. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with Juju yet, but uh, I, I think what you said is viable, so I'll definitely be taking that into consideration. Uh, I'm just right now trying to look for injury updates on on Connor to see if is there anything because uh, the Steelers haven't released their practice reports from today yet from Wednesday. Yeah, uh, no. All I have is that Connor told um, Andrew Filipponi from ninety three point seven The Fan in Pittsburgh that he really wanted to practice on Wednesday. Um, he the report just says Connor emerged from Monday's twenty seven to three win against the Bengals with an ankle injury, which Connor called fine while sitting. He doesn't have a tear. Um, so that's the first I heard that somebody thought that there was a tear. Um, but I think, you know, Connor wouldn't have come back in the game if, you know, when he was evaluated, show that there was any chance of that. Um, so I know that he's going to continue to see receive treatment this week, according to yesterday's update. Um, but yeah, the ensuing practice reports will really be the telltale for that um so i yeah it's hard to make a call right now just because you like you said they haven't re- uh, released anything yet i mean fortunately this is a sunday game right so we're gonna have time over the week to kind of see how how this plays out but uh again even even if connor plays i don't know that samuels is a bad play necessarily uh because this matchup does seem good and you know maybe if connor plays they may not give him this full 
wet, you know, workload as normal. But even last week, there was a lot of times where both of them were on the field at the same time, which is something that I know I was kind of begging for them to do last year. And I, I mean, I beg for, I, I think it's, you know, a lot of teams should do that more instead of, you know, if you've got a few talented running backs, instead of just kind of lining them up one by one and sort of having this linear thing where only one can get on the field at a time, use two or three of them, especially when, I mean, in this case, both of them are really good at r- running routes and you can use both as receivers. So. I think that's just a way to confuse the offenses or opposing defenses. Hopefully you don't confuse your own offense. That's, that's not very good. <laughs> yeah. They don't need any help with that right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as you mentioned, it's Mason Rudolph. This will be what his third start of his career. Yes. And uh, I, I kind of consider him a maybe, I mean, specifically in super flex leagues, he's probably a, a, a start regardless single quarterback. It's going to depend on, on who you have. Uh, it's a decent matchup. I mean, the Ravens, I mentioned to running backs, they're incredibly generous. It's not quite the same level uh, as receivers. 17th most fancy points. Of it. So they're literally right in the middle. Um, so it's not a great matchup, but it's not a bad matchup by any stretch. So um, you could definitely do worse than Mason Rudolph, I think. And he started to come alive last week, and we saw the ability to throw the ball deep. I know everyone was kind of scared of it. Oh, every pass is at the line of scrimmage. But, uh, I mean, he had a big touchdown throw uh that was to Deontay Johnson right yeah who I also think is a, is a you know him he's a maybe and even James Washington uh those guys are just gonna you know every week that goes on they're developing more and more chemistry with Mason Rudolph so I, I definitely think they're good plays and then monitor uh, how things go with Vance McDonald and injury if is he starting or is Nick Vanette starting um because I think I'd like to play either uh you know again you could probably do worse uh in terms of tight end matchups the Ravens, where are they for tight ends? They are fifteenth um, most fantasy points allowed. So again, middle of the pack. It's not the greatest matchup, but uh, uh, considering how how often that they're used in the red zone with the Steelers, the the tight ends are. Uh, I think it's worth at least putting one in there if you if you don't have any other better options. I think at this point, I'd say sit Dante Moncrief. That's what I wrote down here. Um, I think it's cut Dante Moncrief. I don't think he has any. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think he got on the field last week at all. No, he didn't play. Yeah, last that's two weeks in a row where he has zero percent snap counts. Well, so, he would have been off my team when he dropped two touchdowns against the Patriots in Week One. I'm like, yeah. if my team is already struggling to get in the end zone and they're relying on you in the slot, um, how are you? How are you going to drop two scores when you needed it most? Like that's like, okay, I can find somebody else and catch a football. Like it's the NFL for a reason. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like the Steelers didn't, again, make they made high investments on James Washington and Deontay Johnson. And Washington ended up playing 92% of the snaps last week. So I think his breakout is is going to be coming soon. Uh, the problem with Washington is that he is more of a deep threat kind of receiver. So, again, we've talked about that. It's it's boom-bust games with, with that type of player. Yeah, um, and he hasn't really boomed yet. I mean, he's no. had the most targets he had was against New England in week one. He had six, but he only caught two passes. Um He's caught two pass. He caught two passes in each of the first three games, but he only had one target last week and didn't catch anything. So I'm really, I'm really disappointed in how the Steelers have used James Washington this year. I think if they got him more involved, they'd be more successful as a team. Um, but with the way that they're not using him, I, I don't think James Washington is a maybe until they show me that they're going to use him. I think there are other wide receivers out there, even in a um, small waiver wire pool that you could grab that would give you more than zero points <laughs> like he got last week. So Yeah, that that's fair. And again, seeing a zero always kind of hurts. It's this worst sort of, one of the worst sort of feelings in fantasy, especially if you started him. Yeah, and it's not like, you know, he's had 
like stellar weeks either. Like the week before he had 14 yards and the week before that he had 23. So it's like, you know, it would give me more hope if he had like eight or nine targets and he got a few more passes for a few more yards. But until they start using him, I'm, I'm worried to put him in my lineup. I wouldn't drop him, but I wouldn't start him. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think he's worth rostering because, again, I, I think these struggles are going to happen with teams, especially the young quarterback. I, eventually, things are going to work their way through, I think, though. But you're right. It may, this might not be the week for it either, um, especially if the Steelers can kind of win this game on the ground. They may not have to pass that much. Right. But uh, we'll, we'll see how this goes. I'm actually pretty interested in this game on Sunday. Uh, Marquise Brown, is uh, he's kind of a maybe as well. The Steelers are... I mean, it depends. Like they've they've been, they've allowed a lot of yards to certain positions, and some not so much to others. Eleventh most to wide receivers, though. Uh, so it could be good news for Marquise Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, deep threat receiver, and I think that's kind of the theme here with all these maybe's players. Is a lot of them are these boom bust sort of guys that can either win you your week or lose you your week. So it really de- depends on risk uh, aversion. And uh, going into Sunday morning, you have maybe some information from Thursday night. You know, if you, oh, I had a big week thir- game Thursday and I, I'm up ahead. I don't need to take as many risks. Or, oh, my my opponent had a big Thursday night. Uh, I need to take risks. So that, that sometimes some of those decisions come down to that, like how, how much risk you need to do in order to win. Uh, another rookie, Miles Boykin, has been, it seems, less involved. Um, considering he was there all at training camp, whereas Marquise Brown was injured, it's, it's a little concerning. He's he's come up of late, but I I agree. I, I, it's kind of it's feeling how you're feeling with Washington, right? I need I need to see it first before I put Boykin in. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, so unless you want to address anything else on the Ravens or Steelers, we can move to the Bills and Titans. Um, I was just gonna comment real quick on um Deontay Johnson. I didn't realize he was as he was as successful as he has been. Um, even though he's only seen six targets in each of the last two games, he didn't drop a pass last week, and he did catch a touchdown with his seventy-seven mm-hmm. yards. So, um, that's good enough for uh, twelve point seven if you're not in PPR. So that's pretty solid. Um, and then the week before, even though he only caught three mm-hmm. targets, he again caught a touchdown. Um, so he had. About the same stat line, just point less at 11.8. So if you're looking for a wide receiver, um, Baltimore is 22nd against the pass. So I think uh, he could emerge, especially because I expect them to probably cover Juju more than Johnson. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Johnson, uh, you know, a rookie in his fifth game isn't going to command the same type of defensive attention as someone who's been a 1,000-yard receiver. Uh, Did he get a 1,000? Well, he was close to a 1,000 this first year, but yeah. Yeah. I, greenly, I actually like that Deontay Johnson's done better than James Washington. I have a couple more shares of him. I don't really think I have Washington on many rosters or any rosters, so I've mm-hmm. invested a little more in Johnson, so I, I like seeing that. But um, it, again, it do, it's funny because I, this was talked about a lot. Rudolph and, and uh, Washington were college teammates. You figured no one on the Steelers would have more chemistry with Rudolph than Washington, but it does seem like Johnson maybe coming in and, and getting the immediate chemistry with, with Rudolph. Right. Anyway, so uh, tell us about the Bills and Titans. I see you have zero starters on the Bills. <laughs> yeah, um, I yeah, I did that just because Josh Allen is in concussion protocol, their quarterback. I thought about making him as a start, but 
uh, I don't think he's a lock to play. Um, even though he's already doing individual drills as of yesterday, uh, I'm still going to monitor that all week uh, because you can do individual drills with a practice jersey and not you know, be able to have your vision completely straight. Um, and if he does play, I really don't think he's been 100%. I mean, I don't know the severity of his concussions, but I've had six concussions in my life, and it definitely takes more than six days to be able to have your, your vision keep up with uh, your head, and I never played football. So... <laughs> Um, that's why I have him as maybe, uh, there's probably better options out there than a less than hundred percent quarterback, but obviously just see how he does in practice today and Thursday and Friday. If he's a full participant, then, uh, I might move him into a start, but I don't know. It just seems unlikely from my perspective. Um, another maybe for Buffalo is wide receiver Cole Beasley. Uh, he's the number two wide receiver on the team. Um, he has the most targets for their receiving core in the last two games with 23. Um, it seems like he's outpacing, uh, John Brown, who's listed as number one on their depth chart right now. Um, so he could be a factor against Tennessee. Uh, even though Tennessee killed Cleveland in week one, I'm not necessarily sold on either of these teams offenses being that great. Um, with that being said, I also have John Brown as a maybe he's been most consistent throughout the season, even if he hasn't been the most targeted, um, obviously Buffalo needs someone to throw to, and he has respectable yards, uh, to the catch total, um, hmm, total share ratio. Uh, and then Buffalo for uh, its defense, maybe. They held the Patriots to 16 points, um, and the 16 points were scored early in that game before the half. Uh, so if you can hold Tom Brady, I think he had like five and a half fantasy points. Another reason why I lost one of my matchups. Should have gone with my gut and uh, picked up somebody else, but I didn't. Uh, so, yeah, as you can tell, that still bothers me. But um, I think Buffalo's defense has a solid chance to put up some points against uh, Tennessee in fantasy. Um, for Buffalo, I'm sitting Zay Jones. He's only catching one-fourth of his targets, and he really has no production in any games, which means he doesn't have any production in fantasy. Um, moving to Tennessee, uh, I'm, I like Derrick Henry. He was my running back sleeper last week in my Stardom to Sit him article. He eclipsed 100 yards for the first time in the season, and uh, even though he didn't have a touchdown, that's okay because he had his highest amount of carries on the season at 27, and he's still floating around 20 carries each week. So uh, with the questions in the receiving core for Tennessee, I like Derrick Henry. Uh, you also probably took him kind of high in your draft, maybe third, fourth round, maybe second, depending on how many teams are in your league uh, and how your point system works. So I like Derrick Henry. Um for Tennessee, I have maybe on Corey Davis. Um, he's averaging just one drop per game, um, but his first touchdown did come last week. He finally seems to be rolling a little bit and emerging as a consistent number one, but his lack of fantasy value concerns me. I think he needs to show a little bit more in the upcoming weeks uh, to really be able to trust him. Um, tight end Delaney Walker is probably their most consistent receiver, um, but the offense offense couldn't get going through the air last week so that caused him to have a down game he only had four yards on one catch um and he's a maybe this week just because buffalo's defense could be an issue like i just talked about um i usually like delaney walker i'm an advocate of putting him on my fantasy team i'll draft him over many other tight ends um but I think Buffalo's defense could pose a challenge, but obviously you probably don't have 
more than one successful tight end on your roster. You might not even have any. So Delaney Walker might not be one of those situations where you can just sit him. Um, so talking about sits for Tennessee, uh, wide receiver A.J. Brown, he had two touchdowns last week, but he only had three targets. So it was his first scores of the season also, and he needs the long plays to be successful, just like we saw in week one when he had 100 yards on, I think, the same amount of catches. Um, so since he has no more than three catches in a, uh, he has no more than three catches in a game and no more than five targets per game. So he's a real big boomer bust. And I don't think this is the game to trust him again. Like we were talking about in the Rams, it seems like an outlier kind of production for him. Um, Buffalo's pass offense just isn't that good. Um, there are other options out there. And then Tajay Sharp, their wide receiver, uh, who is that? Um, he has no more than two targets in a game, and he's been blanked twice this season. He's not a factor at all. Um, and then I'm also going to sit Mariota. There's not enough consistency to throw to. Um, he really hasn't been fantasy relevant, and there's no reason for that to be changed in anybody's mind for this week coming up. Yeah, really good calls there. I, I, I agree that there's no obvious starter in Buffalo. Um, just because of how good the Tennessee pass rush is, Cole Beasley probably makes the most sense because whether it's Allen or uh, who's is it Matt Barkley? Who's the who's the backup there? Um, that is a great question. Let me check for you. The backup in Buffalo, yes, is Matt Barkley. Okay, yeah. So regardless, I think. Uh, Beasley as a dump off option might be very, very popular for whoever's behind center on uh, on Sunday. So um, I also love that you pointed out uh, Zay Jones' low completion percentage or catch rate, which is that's that's not an anomaly. Like that's his career. Like his like last year it was a fifty four percent catch rate, which isn't great, but that's by far the best he's ever done, and, it, and that seems like the anomaly. So uh, yeah, Zay Jones again. Zay Jones, I think at this point, I know I, he's getting more production than. Than Moncrief, and he's playing a lot of the slot. Uh, like he's playing a lot of snaps. Like he's uh, he's out there, but uh, I've said it. Zay Jones is not an outside wide receiver. He's a slot receiver who yeah. never gets to play in the slot because Buffalo always has someone else in the slot, and it's, they just use him in the worst way ever. And it, it sucks because I believed in his talent. I remember coming out of college. I think he was a second round pick, and I I was really high up on him. And then oh wait, but we're never going to play him in the slot. The one spot where he he showed that he could do in college and couldn't win anywhere else. So. Yeah, I and know. I have firsthand experience because I went to East Carolina and I was there for the game when he beat Justin Hardy's all-time receiving record in college football. And I mean, it was probably the hypest I've ever been at an ECU football game. Um, everybody was so excited. The fans showed out in that game for sure. And, you know, there was a there was a reception ticker going on on the big screen and everybody knew it was just so exciting. And I mean, throughout his the two years I saw him play at ECU, two or three, I can't remember, um, but he like coming out of the slot he made his best plays and I mean ECU's game plan was obviously to get him the ball especially when he was a senior and I mean he could do it from the outside but that's because it was also forced so he had so many targets but he didn't necessarily always uh, convert on them but yeah he I had high hopes for him coming out of college just because of what he did in the slot and the fact that Buffalo doesn't use him it's wasting talent that they need to have and, I mean, last week, Robert Foster was inactive, and he still only caught two passes for four yards. I mean, he got eight targets, which is a season high, but, and you know, played in 75% of the snaps. So it's, if you can't reel them in, and not that his quarterback really helps him, because Josh Allen's not a very accurate thrower. Right. And, man, I totally forgot about Frank Gore. And, I <laughs> oh, yeah. mean, 
Well, I you were talking about obvious starts. I was like, I've got to be missing somebody because I started Frank Gore over David Montgomery last week when 95% of experts told me to start David Montgomery, oh. and Frank Gore had 100 yards in the game. So, uh, yeah, he made the most of his value. So I need to update my little uh, game preview here, and I'm going to start Frank Gore, especially because Devin Singletary is still struggling with uh, – the hamstring issue that kept him out for the last couple weeks. Um, he was just a limited participant in today's practice. Um, and the report says that um, he turned in limited practices last week and he was close to playing. So it's important to monitor it, but something obviously happened that they wanted to keep Singletary out. So it's important to monitor that this week. Uh, but this game is going to be a run-heavy game for both sides, just like I talked with Derek Henry. Um, I'm sorry, Frank Gore. I should not have missed you because you deserve <laughs> to be starting. <laughs> yeah, especially coming off as what? He finally got to 1,500 career rushing yards or something, or 15,000 career rushing yards. Yes, fourth all-time, man. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, this this game kind of strikes me as something that's going to end up being a, a 9-6 contest at the final score. And you only want the running backs because that's how maybe the, both these teams are going to attack each other. Because the defenses and the pass rushes are certainly strong enough. And the secondaries are pretty great that throwing is going to be dangerous in this game. So obviously Henry's a start. If, if Singletary's in, though, I don't know what the usage is going to be like. I, I'd be pretty scared to play Gore. But if, if Singletary's out, then yeah, fire up Gore, I think. Yeah, I think just monitor both. Um, I certainly I like, like Gore better than I did last week going up against the Patriots. So, I just had that feeling. Yeah, well, <laughs> to their credit, and I actually the the defenses on both sides might be good plays this week, whether it's Tennessee or Buffalo. I think I don't I don't see either of them getting negative points because I don't think either team is going to score enough or get enough yards to to put either in negative. So then it's suddenly about how many sacks can either team get. Uh, yeah. Both offensive lines are decent enough that it. I don't know if there's one that's more favored than the other in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think pretty good calls everywhere. Um, so we can move on to Vikings and Giants. Yeah, tell me about that. I mean, I, I end the case. So Dalvin Cook's an obvious start. Giants run defense isn't that great. And I mean, Dalvin Cook's been pretty amazing throughout the year. Even last week when they got shut down by the Bears, he still managed to score a touchdown. So I'm not worried about Cook at all. Uh, Thielen digs. It's just they're going to need to pass enough. And the scary thing in this game is they might not pass enough to make both viable, but they could also quickly score both of them. Like like you you know they could each score a touchdown, and Kirk Cousins may only need to pass the ball 14, 15 times for both of them to score and have productive fantasy days, just because that's how bad this Giants defense is. It's going to be one of those efficiency over volume things. Mm-hmm. And then uh, to me, the Vikings defense is pretty tough. The only one that's that should be started is Evan Ingram. And just because he's so good at tight end, I mean, he's another top five player at his position. So he needs to be started every week, regardless of matchup. But other than that, I don't trust any giants player. Like I don't, I have Daniel Jones and Sterling Shepard in the maybe. Uh, and to me, Jones, if it's not super flex, I don't want to play him super flex. I'm I'm fine as a QB two. When you have another good solid QB one carrying you, you can kind mm-hmm. of afford to take a, a guy who runs enough, right? So he could maybe score a rushing touchdown. Maybe that's how he gets his production, which that's great for fantasy. I mean, it, and he's done it a couple times already. So I, granted that this is a tougher defense. Sterling Shepard may be worth it. Uh, I was also going to think about Golden Tate, but I don't know how he's going to do his first game with Daniel Jones. 
maybe if maybe, I mean maybe if Tate's playing in the slot, Jones kind of targets him in the slot more to beat the the Vikings pass rush because I don't think the Giants O line is gonna be able to hold up that well. So maybe maybe there's an advantage for Tate there, but uh, I'm I'm a little scared coming off into his first game. Kirk Cousins, I already talked about it, right? Efficiency over volume. He's obviously not a volume quarterback, but uh, he could be incredibly efficient in this game and get a few touchdowns on on twenty or less throws. So I don't love it, but uh, certainly if you're looking at quarterbacks on your team with bad matchups, I'd rather play Cousins in this really good matchup, even if I don't think the volume is going to be there. And uh, just because they could just run the ball so much, Alexander Madison, uh, for those who have him, in you know, this is probably only for deeper leagues, but if you're you know if you if your starting rosters consist of like 10 12 players a guy like Madison may maybe may have some value here and then I'm going to sit Kyle Rudolph he's played so much and caught so little <laughs> it's yeah i mean i i remember one game he played 100% of the snaps and zero catches so um and then Wayne Gallman Wayne Gallman had a great game last week uh but that was against Washington this is Minnesota there's a massive difference between those two teams so uh uh, I don't know. Again, maybe Daniel Jones dumps the ball off to Gallman and Tate, and that's kind of how Gallman gets a lot of his production. But I don't see him as an elite kind of receiving back like I do, like a like a David Johnson, right? Where even in tough matchups and the O line sucks, you can still have David Johnson catch ten passes. I don't, I don't know that Gallman's going to do that, and if he does, I don't know that he's going to get more than you know forty, fifty yards to really make it worth it. Right. Um, I could see Gallman getting a touchdown to kind of salvage his day. Um, but that, that just depends on how um, the Giants can move the ball. I mean, it could easily be a game where they have so many three and outs that this game is over before halftime. Um, just like you were kind of hinting at with the run game of Madison and uh, Cook. Um, but I think, you know, with the, the question still at the Giants wide receivers, it, it could be where Galman is given at least one carry on every drive that they have. So um, he might have a lot of carries, and like you said, he might not have a lot of volume, but it just takes one touchdown to kind of help that. So I don't know if he's necessarily a sit just because of maybe you have an issue with bye weeks or um, you just have a spot for him in your flex or something. Um, so I don't think he's a must start, but he could be a maybe. He could also be a sit. Uh, we obviously won't know until he – starts playing against the Giants, honestly. Um, and then, man, Stefan Diggs, he must have listened to our podcast last week because it only took uh, me saying there's no way in hell I would start him for him to catch everything that was thrown at him. Um, so he had seven targets uh, like he did in Green Bay in week two, but against Green Bay he had one catch, which was his uh, long touchdown. But yeah. um, We burned by Kevin King. Sorry, Kevin King. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to, be, to be fair, King defended him pretty well most of the night but uh that, oh. that's that's how he's vulnerable he can, he's good at the contested catch big guys but if, you can burn by him yeah um but yeah Diggs caught all seven passes and he topped the century mark which he desperately needed but he again he lost the second fumble of the year um and there was a report that came out that he uh Diggs actually mispracticed today um the injury is undisclosed but he wasn't even at the stadium according to chris thomason of the saint paul pioneer press <laughs> um so I don't know what that's about. It might not be any kind of injury. It might just be personal uh, since the reason is undisclosed, but uh, it would be good to monitor. I expect, because I haven't seen any reports anywhere, that he has some, some sort of injury that he should play this week. 
Yeah, again, monitor everything. That's uh, We keep track of news and stuff, but again, we're recording this on Wednesday. There's still a lot to be kind of decided in that regard. And I mean, and we've also seen players get hurt on a Thursday, Friday practice, right? So it's it's oh, yeah. important to just because you don't see a player on a Wednesday practice report doesn't mean that they're 100% going to go, right? There's tons of things can happen between now and, and kickoff on Sunday. Uh, so Kayla, talk to us about a another divisional game, the uh, NFC South, Buccaneers versus the Saints. Yeah, I mean, just piggybacking off of obviously monitor until the start of game time. Uh, last week, wide receiver for the Bucks, Chris Godwin, was doubtful during the week when he didn't practice or practiced it in limited fashion. And he was doubtful on Saturday night, ended up playing, was the best receiver, caught 12 passes for 14 yards for two touchdowns on 172 yards. So if that doesn't tell you that you should monitor who's playing, uh, then nothing does. Um but obviously monitor his injury. I know he's still questionable again this week, um, but like we said, it's only Wednesday, but he's a start. If he's doubtful and unlikely to play, and then he comes up with that against a, a decent defense in the Rams, I think they were second against the pass. So um, I think, you know, he's he could have another big game, if, obviously against the Saints. I think they have, what, the 30th ranked pass defense. Um, so if he could do that against the second in a crazy game, I think um, surprisingly if Tampa Bay – even plays half as good as they did last week. Um, they, they, they could have a shot to make it an interesting game, especially in fantasy. Um, so, that being said, I'm actually going to start Jameis Winston. Um, a lot of I know our listeners know I am not a Winston fan, um, but he was most shocking last week to me. Um, I thought his best shot of the year was in week three, but he dismantled the number two pass defense on the road. Um, he attempted the most passes of the season, had the highest touchdown mark with four. Um, I think. Just with the options that he has for passing backs in Ronald Jones, which is clear that Jones gets more rushes and targets when they play against a team uh, that has a poor pass defense and higher scoring games. Um, He has a lot of options, at least three, uh, with him, Godwin, and Evans. Um, So with that being said, I'm going to start Ronald Jones because, like I just said, he gets more rushes in pass-heavy games. um, And this provides a great matchup. Uh, Mike Evans, he managed a long score last week, or he would have had a three catch for 22 yards stat line. Um, So I think, you know, he is the number one wide receiver on the depth chart, and I arguably think he is still the number one wide receiver on the team. Um, Playing against the Saints, uh, even though the Saints defense has been pretty successful this year, um, they still have a lot, a lot of points. So I think it gives an option for Evans to at least get another touchdown or have a lot of yards. So I think uh, you have to start him, and you probably, again, took him high in the draft. You took him in the third round at the beginning of the third round. So uh, I think you have to play him. Um, I really struggled with Peyton Barber this week for Tampa Bay. Um, he struggles horribly when it's pass-heavy games, um, but Tampa Bay is still clearly a committee. I think he's more of a bust alert than any, than anything. Um, really teetering between, like I said, starting and sitting him. Um, but I think, you know, I don't know. It's a really tough call. I don't know if I would personally play Peyton Barber, but that's just my own feeling. So I think he's still a maybe this week. Um, but... As for Tampa Bay to sit, um, Brashad Perriman, he's questionable with the hamstring, and he's a non-factor anyway. Um, He's listed as the number three wide receiver, but they don't use him. Um, Tight end O.J. Howard, he's not not getting targets or touchdowns. Um, So he's been a big bust this season, especially coming off the year he had last year before he was on IR. Um, And I'm also going to sit Cameron Brait. I mean, he was the favorite tight end last week, but he only had three targets. 
in a whack game that was way more high scoring than it should have been. Um, so then on the other side of the ball for New Orleans, um, I'm going to start the Saints defense. Um, they can get to the quarterback and they can force turnovers or scores. It kind of goes back and forth. Um, I wanted to pull up what the stats were for the season for the Saints uh, just because of their success and kind of how it, it teeters back and forth, but they always have something going for them each week. So while my computer loads... Um, well, I'll just I'll quickly uh, cut in just a couple things that you're talking about. Uh, first off, talking about Evans, he's going to probably see Marshawn Lattimore because, we again, I assume the same as you, that he's still the number one receiver on that team, and I assume mm-hmm. that the Saints are going to operate in that same manner. We'll see. Maybe they decide to put Lattimore on Godwin, which is then really telling to Evans, but uh, I, I think part of it is Evans has been seeing top corners and getting double teamed every time, which opens things up for Godwin more. Uh, and Evans has done well in his career. Even last year uh, against Lattimore, he burned him seven catches for 147 yards and a touchdown. So uh, yeah, certainly capable of, of beating good corners like that. Um, the problem I'm having with Jones and Barber, it's, you know, you mentioned it's a committee, right? Um, I tend to like the players who catch passes. Jones has three receptions on the season. On three targets, to be fair. But uh, yeah, uh, he's... You know, the problem is that it's not just Barber and, and uh, Jones there. It's Dario Ogumbawale. I mean, he, he's on the field quite a bit. I know uh, he actually led the three of them in snaps in week one. And I think la- uh, after a couple of weeks where it wasn't uh, as much last week when they were just kept giving her against the, the Rams, they didn't take their foot off the pedal to their credit because if they had, they probably would have lost that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, jo- I mean, and to be fair, though, and, and to your credit, Jones saw 50% of the snaps, 49% to be exact, which is the most... Uh, that any Bucks back has seen of snap count, except for Barber week two against the Panthers, when he was having a lot of success in that game. There was rain, and it was kind of a sloppy football game, and it just seemed like running it was the best option for the Bucks in a, a kind of a defensive sort of mis, mis, uh, mishmash. I don't know. I don't know. That that game was weird. That was that was not a very enjoyable game. But uh, other than that game, though, n- none of them have dominated the the snap count or the touch there. Uh, and uh, the Saints, where are they in fantasy points allowed to running backs? don't think it's very high uh yeah 29th most so the fourth worst fantasy defense to face for running back so i don't know i'd, I'd probably lean more on the side of, of uh, sit them to be honest uh but certainly i think if you're going to start one it's got to be jones I, so i agree with you in that sense but i i'd prefer to avoid them all yeah i just like ronald jones um a little bit because of even though uh or in past heavy games because Last week, clearly, for Tampa, it was a pass-heavy games. And even though he was only on the field for what you said, 49% of the snaps, he still had 19 carries for 70 yards and a touchdown. So that tells me that even though they're passing a lot, when they need to turn to the run game, it's there with Ronald Jones. Um, and it just seems to be the matchups. I mean, the week before against the Giants, he had 80 yards on 14 carries when they had to throw a lot also. Um, so although he didn't find the end zone, he was still used – a significant amount and then the week against Carolina that was a Peyton Barber game and it should have been because they didn't have to pass that much um and it wasn't a pass heavy game so he was taken out of it because Peyton Barber deals with you know when it needs to be rush heavy um so just the pattern to me stands out with that um that's the only reason why I even brought up Ronald Jones this week um but that pattern is something that people should watch for, uh, in my opinion. And then I, when I was talking about the Saints defense, um, they give up 
a lot of yards, which is frustrating. Um, but in week one, they had six sacks and an interception. So even though they gave up 414 yards, um, they still got the points for the sacks and the interceptions. Um, obviously, you need to base this off of how your scoring system works in your leagues. But uh, when it came to Seattle in week three, they gave up 514 yards and 27 points, but they recovered a fumble and had two defensive scores. So while they didn't get any sacks on Russell Wilson, they made up for it in defensive scoring and had more points than they did against Houston, despite giving up 100 more yards and the same amount of points. And then last week against Dallas, it was a low-scoring game, which helped them, but they also recovered two fumbles, got an interception, and did get to Dak Prescott once. And they had the most points of the season last week with 12. And they gave up a season low in yards, which helped them. Um, but each week they're doing something. They're either getting the sacks, they're getting the defensive scores, they're recovering fumbles. They have at least one fumble in three or four games this year, and um, they have an interception in half their games. So I think it's the a most- sneaky play, especially if they can get Winston out of the pocket and hurried up. He's going to force a turnover. Um, I think Peyton Barber is a candidate to fumble. I think Ronald Jones is a candidate to fumble. And, I mean, we saw Jason Witten last week. I know the commentator on the game was like, wow, he fumbles, you know, once in every two years, it seems like. So, <laughs> yeah. um, if, you know, they're forcing fumbles, um, it's definitely possible that they get their fifth one of the year in the same amount of weeks. So, uh, I, I like them as a sleeper, um, especially because they're probably not owned in many leagues. Um, so I, I think they're a good candidate because even if when they give up a lot of points, they make up for it in other ways. And the most impressive thing for me last week was the fact that they got five sacks against the Cowboys. And, you know, what I know I do and most people consider to be a, a top three offensive line which kind of gives me hope for the Packers this week, but uh, more on that in the next episode, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, I, um, did you want to talk any more about the Saints? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Got to do New Orleans side of the ball uh, a little bit more. Right, yeah, sorry for interrupting. <laughs> yeah, no, you're good. Um, so starting, I'm obviously going to start Alvin Kamara. He probably went as high as number one overall in your draft. Um, his touches haven't decreased since Teddy Bridgewater took – uh, went under center. Um, so I think Kamara has the best option to score on the Saints offense. Um, he'll get the most touches on the team, whether that's passing or rushing. Um, I think he's a candidate for both. I'm also going to start Michael Thomas. He's Bridgewater's favorite wide receiver. Um, even against tough defenses, he was nine for nine last week. Um, I think he should get a touchdown in this game. Um, and then kicker Will Lutz. I think he's uh, I don't know if he's the best kicker on the year. I didn't have a chance to check that. Um, but he's getting – he has at least double-digit fantasy points in two games, um, and that just tells me New Orleans is moving the ball enough to get him into a field goal range or they are scoring touchdowns. So if you're going to come away from most of your drives with points, uh, you at least get a point from Lutz on almost every drive. Um, so the consistency at kicker is really important, um, and it can, kind of, it can sometimes win or lose you games. Um, so for New Orleans, maybe I have Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, he hasn't topped 200 yards in either start, even though New Orleans has won both games. Um, he's also held out the end zone last week. Uh, this game though could be back and forth with more points. So he might have more opportunities to pass more and score more. Um, but I don't know, even with quarterback injuries, I think there are better people out there than Bridgewater. Um, and then sitting for New Orleans, Ted Ginn, he hasn't been fantasy relevant since week one. Um, I don't think that changes. I think he could be a boomer bust, but uh, they should really be using him on special teams, and they're not. 
um, throwback to when he was a Miami Dolphin, and he returned kicks and punts, and he had some of his best seasons. Um, also, Traquan Smith, he's still injured, um, but even if he plays, he won't see many snaps, in my opinion. And then I'm also going to sit tight end Jared Cook. He had his highest amount of catches last week, but that was only three, and he's not fantasy relevant. Uh, good point. So just to, I looked up the kicker thing, and kicker scoring is weird because it, it it really that really depends on on scoring formats. I mean, are you giving five points for fifty yard field goals, or is everything three? There's a and then how much is point afters? Usually it's one, but I don't know. I I find there's there's a lot of sort of uh, like how much are you punishing them for misses? So it's tough to give a, a you know a, you know good answer. So uh, in Yahoo, in their standard scoring, he's fourth right now. And he's only five points back of Joey Sly, who's first. So I, I agree. I mean, I, ranking the kickers at the start of the year, I'd have put Lutz at the top. And part of it's the, how much they play indoors and being in a dome really helps a kicker. But two of the three players that are ahead of him right now, we were going to be like, what? Joey Sly from the Panthers and Matt Gay from the Buccaneers. Those are yeah. Sly is first, Gay is third, Greg Zerline second, right? And I'm sure in a lot of drafts it was Lutz, Zerline, Tucker. Those are usually the first kind of kickers going off the board. So I agree. I think, I mean, if if I, and I do have Lutz in quite a few leagues, I'm not, like I, like in those leagues where I've had him, I haven't even thought twice. Oh, Lutz there? Okay, good. I don't have to worry about it. Right? Yeah. And then uh, what, what's their bye week? But week nine, uh, I'll look at my team. If I can afford to roster two kickers that week, I probably will just so I can keep having Lutz. Um, right. That, and that's how I've always been with kickers, though, because I find that it's so the, the range of possibilities for kickers just is so extreme that if you find one that seems consistent enough, you just keep them. Don't bother risking it. And if you, you know, and if you don't, well, then just keep kind of churning. Look for if you, if you don't have a kicker that you can trust every week, just look for good matchups. Right. Where do you think the games are where the highest amount of score, points are going to be scored? Because even if a kicker doesn't kick field goals, but they kick six point afters, at least at six points. Right. At least it's something. Um, whereas, obviously, obviously you want kickers that'll kick more field goals than point afters, but sometimes those kickers on those teams don't always get into range to score because they, right. they struggle so much. So, um, anyway, there you go, Alessandro. I know you're not listening, and this is probably the most we've ever talked about kickers, and it just happens to be an episode where Alessandro's not on. So, I don't know if he's going to enjoy that or or despise that, but uh, he'll probably just yell at us. Yeah, and he'll probably just talk more about kickers next time, which is fine. Uh, <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater being a maybe, I, I like that because I, I don't think you, you have to like oh, I bench him completely because he didn't do that well last week. But I also think this is a much better matchup going against the Bucks than it was last week against the Cowboys, where I think he did he score like 11 fantasy points. So it's not great output. Like, like I know another earlier maybe was Mason Rudolph. I had trust Mason Rudolph a little more than than Bridgewater. Right. So I'm not totally opposed to him. But yeah, I'm. Uh, I know, actually, another maybe that I had was Kirk Cousins, right? And I, in one league, I'm deciding that as my QB2. Is it Bridgewater? Is it Kirk Cousins? I think I lean Kirk just because it's even better of a matchup. But I may change. We'll we'll have to see. A stay, stay, uh, stay, oh, shit, I don't remember the saying. Never mind. Stay water? To be continued. To be oh, continued. Yeah, to be continued. I don't know where yeah. I got stay from. I was like, I know the word is continued. <laughs> stay so we can continue this um anyway we'll continue on this game preview so falcons at texans julio jones great uh, you know huge fantasy advice coming start him okay that's it and deandre hopkins as well i, I know he, he's especially hopkins has struggled the last few weeks but um 
I mean, Desmond Trufant, like, it's a, it's a good corner, but that's not going to stop Hopkins. And the Falcons' pass rush has been de- dealing with some injuries. Uh, just the defense in general has been injured again. It's not as bad as it was last year, but it's kind of starting. I know a lot of that happened week one, week two, but it's it's not looking great for the Falcons. Uh, and this is an indoor game, too, it being the Texan Stadium. So I could see this definitely being a track meet type of game with a shootout where I know the Texans' offense has really struggled. So this could be a, a get-right game for them. And then, so I, I like playing a lot of options here, like the secondary options, like Calvin Ridley, Austin Hooper. I even put Mohamed Sanu as a maybe, but I'm considering the Texans' pass rush and the the, the Falcons' O line, dump offs to Sanu might be more prevalent than than passes to Ridley. So even Sanu, I think, is a good play. And then uh, Deshaun Watson, I think you must play him. Again, that's part of its draft capital. Um, but I really like this matchup against the Falcons. I think this is a this could be a get right him game for him in particular. Um. So I have Will Fuller as a starter. I know you have him as a sit. Mm-hmm. Again, this is a boom bust type of a guy that you, you play in when the matchups are right. But I think this is where the matchup is right. I think this is the game that they're going to be able to get him the ball deep, uh, especially with Kenny Stills missing most of the last game with an injury. I don't know what his status is going to be going into this week. If he doesn't play, I'm all for playing Fuller because I think that just means part of it. It has been, you know, Fuller, Kuti, and Stills have all been eating into their target shares respectively. Uh, this could be a game where, where Fuller goes off. I have Matt Ryan as a maybe, but now I'm thinking about it. This He probably should be started. Again, the Texans pass rush is the one element that could really mess up his day. Uh, but that secondary is not really that great. Like if he can, if he can, if his offensive line can give him even just a little bit of time, he's going to be able to produce. Uh, and then for the Houston running backs, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it all depends on how this game goes as to who's going to get the most production. And this game does kind of have a big range of outcomes where with the Texans offense, they could get up to a big lead and force uh, the Falcons to kind of come back from behind. That certainly helps Carlos Hyde in that case. But then there's also the possibility that if the Falcons get up to a big lead, suddenly Duke Johnson's going to see the field more. So I have them both as maybes. Uh, And last week they both kind of produced well enough uh, together that could have maybe started uh, either of them or both of them. So uh, that's going to depend on on team construction. But I think at this point, even with Stills out, I'd still sit Kiki, Kiki Kuti just because he really hasn't shown us much. And I was really high on him coming into this year. I thought, um, you know, if he, he, he got injured in the preseason. But before the, that, I thought he was going to maybe be the second target on this team, playing from the slot and getting more consistent game-to-game results. But he really hasn't done much. Yeah, trading Kenny Stills a week before the season started and that big blockbuster trade with Laramie Tunsil really hurt Cootie's chances this year. Um, but, you know, you made a good point about how Kenny Stills missed a lot of last week's game against Carolina. So with that being said, when he was out a lot, Will Fuller only saw six targets and caught three of them for 23 yards. So, you know, while I hope that, you know, playing against an Atlanta team who's pretty – you know, looks pretty good on paper, but it's kind of been pretty horrible. Um, I'm still concerned because I don't think Carolina's that good. Um, I don't think the Chargers, who they played in week three, you know, limits any position to limited amount of points. And he only caught uh, five passes that week for 51 yards. And the week before against Jacksonville, I think Jacksonville's defense is decent, but it's not where it was a couple years ago. He only had 40 yards. And then in that shootout with New Orleans, really disappointing. He only got two passes, even though he had 69 yards. So I hope for people's fantasy sakes that, you know, including mine, that Will Fuller does well. But I I don't think I'm going to be able to start him. Um, 
I don't know. I hope he he does better, but I just I don't see it. Um, and I don't think overall the Panthers' defense is that great, but their front seven and their pass rush is pretty pretty lethal. And I think that's somewhere where really stymied the the Texans because other than Tunsil, they really don't have much talent on that offensive line. Um, yeah, Tunsil's been burned a little bit too, so it makes you yeah. Wonder. <laughs> which, and again, I think part of that is. If you're maybe it might offensive line might be the position that necessitate necessitates chemistry more than any other because you got to know exactly where your as left tackle you got to know exactly where your left guard is positioned you know when a defender comes into split are you taking the inside guy the outside guy there's a there's a lot of technical stuff that I, I don't even understand but that they kind of have to work on and the other problem is if the rest of your o line is is really bad and they're forcing they're kind of having to help each other out so much Tunsil's just left on an island all the time. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a decent left tackle. Uh, I don't know. League average, maybe. But, like, it, you know, even, even the great left tackles get burned by amazing pass rushers. Right? It's, it's super hard to limit those elite kind of guys. Um, but that being said, I don't think the Texans pass rush is that good. Not, not like the last few opponents they face. So this might be a, not so much a get-right game for the offensive line, but one where they're going to have a little bit easier time. I mean, look what Marcus Mariota did against them last week. 227 yards, three touchdowns. Seemed really comfortable most of the game, and uh, a guy like Corey Davis finally went off. So I guess my thinking is if Corey Davis can do well against this defense, I, I think Will Fuller <laughs> definitely should be able to. That's a good uh, But again, it, he is a boom-bust guy, right? So he, he could burn you if if they're just not able to connect on those deep throws. So the, it's risky, but uh, I don't know. I think the upside's there enough that I'm willing to take that risk. Although I, I, I certainly understand the argument against playing him. So, right. I also, uh, I had this note at the end and I kind of forgot about it. Uh, don't play the Texans tight ends. Cause it's no, so, I, you know, and then Deshaun started looking their way more in the red zone, which is encouraging. And I know Aikens got a touchdown last week and that's part of it is cause he was getting the red zone targets, but I don't know. It's just so inconsistent. They both split so much time and, um, it could, you know, <laughs> could be one or the other that goes off i don't know that both will ever go off so trying to guess between those two is that's i don't know there's there's more certain options at tight end right all right uh oh this is gonna be a great game cardinals at Bengals. <laughs> oh boy yes uh, thank you for uh having me preview this one just like the the buffalo tennessee game yeah i, so, I gave you i gave you ram seahawks <laughs> Oh, that's true. Thank you. Um, all right. So for the Cardinals, um, I'm going to start quarterback Kyler Murray just for his passing and his rushing options. Um, he's a pretty good rushing quarterback. Um, and we saw how the Bengals struggled against James Conner and Jalen Samuels last week, the one, two running backs there. Um, Murray could could take some of the carries away from David Johnson, or he could uh, have the quarterback option and keep it himself. Um, so I think Arizona should win this game. Well, now they'll probably lose. Like I said last week, the Rams should kill the Bucks. But, you know, I'm willing to take that chance. I think Arizona wins this game. <laughs> um, and David Johnson, uh, he's a must start. Cincinnati is 31st against the run. And uh, he also had a high pass volume last week. I think he should find the end zone at least rushing, and he could even find it for another one through the air. I'm really excited about David Johnson this week, especially in the past game, because Christian Kirk and Demiria Bird uh, are 
either out or doubtful. Kirk is already ruled out with his ankle injury, and Bird is doubtful because of his hamstring. So that just bolsters Johnson in the past game even more. When they were both in last week, he still had 11 targets. So I like that for him a lot. Um, that being said, Larry Fitzgerald is your only healthy starting three wide receiver. Um, his production declined last week, but he's obviously the favorite to Kyler Murray. Uh, they had a whole Sports Center ESPN segment on their story. <laughs> so that, aside from how Murray is using him all over the field, is encouraging. Um, he's playing a decent amount in the slot, too, and Arizona should be able to score against Cincinnati. Um, the only problem is if the scores are all rushes with David Johnson. But since he's the only wide receiver that's healthy out of the top three on the depth chart, I think he's a must-start, especially against Cincinnati. Um, for Arizona, I have Andy Isabella as a maybe, the wide receiver who was drafted this past year. Um, I think he could step into a wide receiver two role, and I think the Bengals are horrible. So I think uh, he, he could be a factor. Um, I don't think he's a must start, but I think he could be a component in the passing game. And uh, in leagues where you have to start three wide receivers and still have a flex, uh, he's probably one of your best chances to take this week. Um, for Cincinnati, Tyler Boyd, you have to start him. John Ross is on IR and AJ Green is still out for a few more weeks. So he's the clear number one wide receiver on a team. Um, and you probably used a waiver pickup on him if you didn't draft him. Uh, so either way, if you drafted him or picked him up, he's still the number one wide receiver in Cincinnati. Uh, Andy Dalton has to throw to somebody. And Andy Dalton's not horrible, so he should be able to get the ball to Tyler Boyd. Um, I think you also have to start Andy Dalton in this game. Uh, he could have some opportunities in a broken-down defense with Arizona, although their defense is getting better. My only concern with this is that they, it could be a low-scoring game for them because they just can't put anything together still. Um, but that brings up a sleeper that I researched a little bit. Um, Auden Tate will move into the number two wide receiver slot this week with Ross out. He has 16 targets in the last two weeks. So for a team who is missing key wideouts and has a run game they can't get going with Joe Mixon, Auden Tate is not going to be owned in your leagues. And if he is, you have a very deep league and that person is intelligent. Um, so I think Auden Tate is worth a look this week because of the matchup and because of the offense that he is on and their issues. Um, so with that being said, Joe Mixon, uh, the team is going nowhere. He's still getting 15 carries, though. Um, his production is not where I would like, especially if you probably took him in the second round or third round if he fell in your draft. Um, he's probably one of your two starting running backs, so you have to start him. Um, and then for Cincinnati, I'm sitting both Tyler Eifert and C.J. Uzoma. Um, Uzoma hasn't done anything, and Eifert has been very quiet. So I actually want to add a couple of names in here. Uh, for the Arizona Maybes, I, I love the Andy Isabella call. I'm, I've been really high on him, and I, he was a second-round pick, so obviously the Cardinals are really high on him. He hasn't really done much on the offense this year. I don't know how many snaps has he played. I know he's been more used as a, a punt returner, kickoff returner. Uh, yeah, he played 1% of the snaps last week, and that's it. So yeah. that's obviously going to go up. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson, though, who's already yeah, been a, a big part of the offense already, I mean, he's probably going to be the number two receiver there. Now, uh, I like the point you, you put out, though, about uh, Cincinnati being so good against the run. If this game, if Arizona gets up big in this game, I think Chase Edmonds could start to see a lot of play, and maybe he could find a, a, the touchdown to... This might be more of a DFS play than anything, but uh, just a, a name to keep out there. You know, again, really deep leagues, and sort of preference to running backs, even backup running backs. Maybe Chase Edmonds is a, is a decent play. Uh, now, I 
disagree with your tight end call with the Bengals just because this is the tight end matchup you want every week. I know I just picked up Tyler Eifert in a league where I think I was he was rostering Greg Olson, and I don't know, with Kyle Allen, I'm not sure how that's going to go. So I just said, you know what, I'm going to chase the matchup and go after the Cardinals. It's it's, And I, I agree. I admit that it's super risky, but, I mean, what they've been doing to tight ends this year, it's ridiculous. So in half-point PPR, they've allowed an average of 23.7 points to tight ends. The next highest, uh, like the next worst team at, at uh, tight end production is the Buccaneers, and it's 15.8 points. So there's an eight-point gap. And then, like, pretty much it's pretty linear from there on. Like, the Colts are third at 14.6. The Raiders, 13.5. Tennessee, 13.10. Like, it's it's all really bunched together. And then you just have the Cardinals, who are just atrocious at defending tight ends. And Eifert's been getting a lot of red zone work. So if nothing else, as a, as a touchdown dependent, if that's kind of where you're stuck in with tight ends and you're trying to chase the, the, the matchups and the upside and the touchdowns, I think Eifert's... Definitely one of the better streaming options at tight end. He's had four red zone targets on the year, which I'm pretty sure leads the Bengals. Yeah, it leads the Bengals. Actually, uh, to your credit, your guy, Auden Tate, he's third, he's second on the team with three targets in the red zone. So he might see, uh, <laughs> you know, he, and he's a bigger guy. Like, he's not really a great separator. I know he, you know, physical, not, not, I don't want to say physical freak. He wasn't, he didn't, uh, I remember Combine wasn't totally wrecked. He did really good results, though. But he ended up falling to the seventh round just because he can't, can't separate right i mean and i watched a little bit of that game well, actually it was a monday night game so i watched yeah did why well, <laughs> uh, eventually turned it off but uh um yeah. he was starting to gain a bit of separation uh, deeper and uh was kind of getting open so that was something that was very concerning as for his ability to get on the field so now that he's shown that as you mentioned he's probably going to be the number two receiver there behind boyd at least for at least until aj green gets back which doesn't seem like it's this week yet yeah, he should be out for a few more weeks, according to his report. So it might be multiple just by the way they phrase that. So, Yeah, anyway, so I, again, I love the odd and take call, but uh, I'm, I'll am i fight you a little bit on the Eifert call, <laughs> so okay. even though I understand the risk behind it. Because he, I mean, he's, he's, he's an injury risk every time he steps on the field. And they've, to, to Bengals' credit, they haven't forced him to be on the, on the field too much. Like in terms of his snap counts, not that high. Um. 49%, 27%, 48%, and um, I forgot to do the week four for Monday night snap counts. I don't know what he did on Monday night, but uh, <laughs> like it's he's he's not even on the field half the time. Uh, right. Uzama's been getting more snaps, although the last couple weeks, not so much. But uh, Eifert's getting all the red zone targets, though. They're using him in the spots where he's best at, which is smart on Zach Taylor. Use him when you get to the red zone. So um, I could see him getting a, a couple touchdowns here. Maybe not the kind of yards that guys like TJ Hawkinson or Mark Andrews got against the Cardinals, or even Greg Olson, who had a monster game against the Cardinals. I don't necessarily expect that, but uh, I, I still like Eifert this week. Yeah, that's fair. I did forget about uh, the stats against Arizona when it comes to covering tight ends. So, I mean, there's definitely some tight end injuries out there, too, um, and some teams in your league probably have more than one tight end on their roster, and you could be in a bind. So, I mean, it's not a horrible call. So, I'll, I'll change that to a maybe just for you. Oh, thank you. Um, now we're going to get to another boring game. So, I mean, it's, I'm getting these not-so-great games either. Jaguars at Panthers. Um, now, must-starts. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey's a must-start. There's no question about that. I think Leonard Fournette's a pretty easy must-start. I know he, he's not going to get 200 yards like he did against Denver, which is crazy that he got, what, I think it was the, the fourth-most rushing yards ever without a touchdown, mm-hmm. which is sort of crazy. Um, I was looking at my red zone report. One of the things I one of the craziest things I've seen so far in terms of red zone work, he had eight red zone carries 
None of them were inside the five. So they ran uh, enough with him. He would they would get to points where he you know he could be getting carries of the five, and then they would just throw with Minshew. They're right. forced to kick field goals. Um, so it's uh, I I like the fact that he's getting so many carries in the red zone, but he just he needs to turn him into touchdowns soon. Right. Yeah, that just sums up all my feelings about Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you and I have debated enough about him. Uh, I also I, I I really like starting DJ Chark. I was really worried about him last week going up against uh, Chris Harris, and uh, he did pretty well. I don't have this. Uh, it's right on me. Well prepared, Kyle. Uh, Shark, what did he do last week? But it was it was pretty good production. It was much better than I expected of him. Uh, oh, four catches, 44 yards. Actually, that's, that's about what I expected of him. But again, it was a tough <laughs> matchup against Chris Harris. I don't know. For some reason, I was seeing some of the game, and it looked like he was catching stuff. But I guess I guess I literally saw all four of his catches. Yeah, he, he caught them in a bunch last week, so that... Okay. Likely. I think that that obviously skewed my view on it. Good thing you always look at the numbers, right? Um, right. But th- this is a much easier cornerback matchup than what he was facing last week. And uh, I mean, he, again, he's had some he's had some monster games this week. I guess the big one was against Kansas City, and some of, and a good chunk of that production was with Gardner Minshew. So it's not as if that was all Nick Foles. Uh, right. Still hasn't eclipsed 100 yards since that game, but he's also that was the. It's funny that his best production game is also the least amount of targets he's seen on the year. So uh, figure that one out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I think those are the only three must starts. I, honestly, I think at this point, considering how poorly Kyle, Kyle Allen played last week, I think the Jags defense is a must start. I'm just going to add that one in quick. Uh, and I have Garnum Minshew as a maybe. I know you added in the notes that you would start him if he has no injury. Um, the one thing that does worry me is the Panthers' pass rush, although the, the Jags' offensive line, uh, I know uh, Cam Robinson missed the first couple weeks of the, of the year. Now that he's come back, it's it's shored up that, that unit a little better. Uh, certainly they protected Binchu well enough against Denver last week, considering who they had. I know I think uh, Denver finally got a sack. It finally happened. It took four games, but they finally got a sack. Um, but for the most part, I thought he, they did pretty well. It could have been a lot worse considering who those pass rushers are in between Chubb mm-hmm. and, and Vaughn Miller. Yeah, um, poor Chubb, man. He's out for the year. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I guess some breaking, not so, not so breaking news, but uh, ACL tear, I think it was. Yep. And when did that even happen? Because I thought, I thought I saw him late in that game. Yeah, it was definitely in the fourth quarter. Um, I think it was towards the end of the game, actually. Okay. And I know sometimes you can get a, a an ACL tear that isn't so severe and you still play on it. You're not really sure that it's an ACL tear. You wake up the next morning and super sore, check and realize. So there, there is also some of that too. I don't know how, if it was, it was just a not too severe tear, but uh, it's still uh, to be out, but you know, to play four, four seasons or four games as a, wait, was this his rookie? No, he was a rookie last year. He's mm-hmm. played a full season, but still like to, I don't know, to, to go and four and then, and then, and then leave with an injury before this team can start winning games. That's, that's gotta hurt. Right. Yeah. Pass rush. Yeah, and I think he might have been out on that final drive because it allowed the Jaguars and Gardner Minshew to move down the field and kick that game-winning field goal as time expired. I don't think he was in that, in that, um, in that drive for them. Um, So I think it was definitely super late in the game. Um, But that's one of the reasons why I liked Gardner Minshew. I mean, there was not much time on the clock, and he moved his team successfully down into field goal range. And like you said, um, they rushed the ball a lot. They did last week with Fournette. Um, But then when they got close in the red zone, they pulled up, passed for Minshew. So even though Minshew's not getting as many yards as I would hope, um, he's getting the scores, and he is showing that he is capable of moving the ball to multiple people. So and moving around himself, he had that kind of matrix move in the middle of the field to get that touchdown. 
Um, I think their third touchdown of the day or second touchdown of the day. So that was a pretty cool play to see. Seems like you would definitely rather play him than Bridgewater. And I, I agree with you in that sense. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm thinking about picking up Minshew and starting him over Tom Brady as long as he doesn't have an injury this week. So yes. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Just because I think that's a great matchup against Washington, but we'll we'll get to that in a couple seconds. Yeah. Um, just to quickly finish off, I have Chris Conley as a maybe. The more I'm thinking about it, though, uh, last week, considering he got a much better corner matchup than Chark did, and he got one pass on four targets for 17 yards. Like he he had a great week one, and then he's really disappeared since then. So I. I Looking at this now, I'm kind of feeling Chris Conley's more of a sit than anything else. And um, Kyle Allen, it was it was strange, amazing week one, which again Cardinals defense that probably has a lot to do with it. And then he looked so bad last week against again a really great pass rush in the Texans. Um, the guys who suffered were DJ Moore seemed like he suffered the most, but even in the Cardinals game, he didn't really get a great game. It was more Greg Olson, Curtis Samuels. I think that's the spots where. If, were, if I were to invest at all, or not invest, but start anyone in the Panthers pass game other than McCaffrey, it's probably either Olsen or Samuel. Those are, I guess, two options. Um, it's it's not a great matchup, though. So I, I would try to look elsewhere, but I'm, I don't know. They should get enough volume that it's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, I'm thinking DJ Moore is more of the guy I want to sit just because he's really hasn't shown much chemistry with Allen, uh, which is strange because figuring if he plays more in the slot that that would be a, an area where Allen would target but uh anyway so I'd sit obviously I'd sit Kyle Allen I don't want to play him against the Jags defense like even even well-established quarterbacks are tough plays against the Jags defense and then uh I D.D. Westbrook has just completely evaporated I I, I was really high on him in the offseason so that's definitely something that I need to kind of no victory lap for me on that one um and again and part of it though I'd really tied it to you know, Nick Foles. Nick Foles loves slot receivers. DJ Westbrook's the Jag yeah. slot receiver. And it just, it was too easy. And that's part of it. It was too easy to, to see it fit. I mean, he did see a season high 66 yards last week. And six of five targets is definitely a lot better than one of five or five of nine had been the last two weeks. But uh, I don't know. I guess looking at it now, I probably have more faith in him than I do Chris Connolly. So uh, I maybe maybe if anything I'd kind of switch them in this show sheet and go as Westbrook as the maybe and Conley as the as the out, uh, but I don't really feel confident in either to be honest, just because this again, this is a pass rush on the Panthers that could uh, cause some problems for Minshew. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't have anything to add. You hit the nail on the head, in my opinion. So um, I can move on then to uh, New England at Washington. Um, must starts for New England, their defense. They're consistent with Chicago each week with scores, turnovers, sacks, getting to the quarterback and pressuring them in any way. Um, they've scored crazy amounts of points. Now, yes, they have played probably some of the most poor teams in the league, um, but their defense still has been consistent um, even when they've played more decent teams. Um, I think, you know, we basically have to start their entire offense. Um, I like Edelman, Gordon, Dorsett. Um, they should all have solid stat lines. I don't think they're all number ones, but they're all decent plays, and they should be able to pick up yards. Same with running backs. Um, I think it's just like the wide receivers. They all have a chance to score, including Rex Burkhead at the goal line or James White in the pass game or just Sony Michelle running all over Washington. Um, so I think, you know, it, it doesn't hurt you to try to start – any of the running backs 
even if, you know, you put White or Burkett in your flex or you put one of your wide receivers like Dorsett in the flex or even Gordon, depending on um, if you play two or three wide receivers and who you have on your team. Um, I only say maybe for Tom Brady um, because it could be a defensive scoring game like we saw um, a couple times this year or the run game could take over because they eventually get up a lot. So um, I think Brady is a start if them getting up a lot are passing touchdowns, but if the running backs in New England take over early and they get long scores or they're just in the red zone and it ends up being a rushing score, Brady's not going to get the, the six points or the four points, depending on how your quarterbacks score in your league, um, which is going to hurt him like it did last week against Buffalo. Um, now, granted, Buffalo's defense is way better than Washington's, but it does still scare me that Washington's defense is poor enough that uh, Brady doesn't need to throw the touchdowns. Um, I don't have anyone sitting for New England. Um, for Washington, my only start is Chris Thompson. I think he's a low-end start, but he is used in the rush and pass games, and Washington will need points. They'll be coming from behind, and it doesn't look like uh, Gruden is really high on Adrian Peterson. Um, he hasn't been using Peterson as much as I think he should be. Um, off, obviously, their offensive line is not good, um, but since Thompson is a factor in the pass and the rush, um, I think they could use him a decent amount to make him worthy of a flex or a low-end start. Um, and I also think there are reports that Colt McCoy could be the starter in Week 5. I think McCoy has had an unfortunate career with his injuries and the teams that he's been on and hasn't really been given a chance. I think McCoy is the quarterback Washington should stick with for the upcoming seasons as long as he is healthy. And if he plays, Chris Thompson's value has to go up. Um, I have maybe for tight end Jeremy Sprinkle. Jordan Reed is out again with his, I don't know, 100th concussion. And uh, Vernon Davis is also in an injury protocol. Um, I like Jeremy Sprinkle. I think he's quiet. Not many people know about him. Uh, Washington's going to need to throw to somebody, especially because Terry McLaurin is most likely out again with his hamstring problem. Um, so obviously I'm going to sit him. But I like Sprinkle just because it seems he's a bigger dude. And it seems like he knows the offense really well. Um, he does have an issue with drops, but he, you know, he runs a, ma a majority of routes well. He finds a way to get open. Um, you can pull up, you know, his videos on YouTube or wherever you watch them. But I think if you really watch his offense and examine it, he has the option to be um, a high receiver in this game. Um, I don't know if he's going to be the best receiver for Washington. I don't really know if any receiver is going to be memorable in this game, but they're going to be chasing points and they're going to have to throw to somebody. And if Sprinkle is bigger than the guys that New England's putting out on defense, uh, it's more likely that he'll be more successful. So I like him, especially with uh, tight ends struggling uh, on the waiver wire. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to sit McLaurin, like I said. Um, uh, Adrian Peterson. I think he's going to be taken out by game conditions as well. And if Gruden doesn't like playing him, um, he's not really making a fantasy impact, and that's not going to change against New England. I really don't have much to add. I agree with everything you're saying. Uh, I like the Chris Thompson call because he's done better in uh, games against good opponents, like uh, 10 targets against the Eagles, 8 targets against the Cowboys, and then suddenly, last couple weeks, 5 targets each against the uh, the Bears and the Giants. So I could see him getting to that 10 target again. Uh, he just hasn't had any touchdowns on the year. It's kind of been his problem, even though he's gotten red zone work. Uh, probably going to continue here because I don't, I don't know that the Washington's going to score anything. They <laughs> uh, could legit get shut out. Uh, mm -hmm. Great call to put the Patriots as the very first start because that that's probably the biggest beneficiary here. Uh, 
man, they've had such a, such an easy schedule. Uh, <laughs> I know uh, I'm I'm like upset because I, right? I I was gonna play them in Survivor this week, but I I picked the Rams last week, and then yeah. uh, what we saw against the Bucks. I mean, I know you said you there's no way they're gonna lose the Bucks, and I totally agreed. Like this Rams pass rush, what's Winston gonna do? Like he he always makes mistakes. There's gonna be like three pick sixes. There's gonna be a ton of interceptions, and there were just golf through them all, not Winston. I guess Winston did so throw defeated. one. So defeated. So defeated. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I didn't survive that. But uh, um, I think if McLaurin plays, I'd consider starting him. But, you know, it, we'll see. If he doesn't play, obviously, you don't play him. But uh, outside of him, it doesn't seem like any of the pass catchers are worth playing. Uh, sp- again, Sprinkle maybe. If, um, you know, hurting a tight end, he's not the worst case. Uh, he got a couple red zone targets um, this season. Yeah, he's got two on the season, and with Vernon Davis out, that, and 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 if McLaurin's out, because those are right now those are the two biggest red zone targets on the team. Um, McLaurin has six, and Davis has four, which is tied for Paul Richardson. So I guess Paul Richardson would be that that guy now, but I don't know. I really don't want to play Paul Richardson in this game. No, I, don't, I don't even. I don't know if people have him on their rosters. Um, probably don't have Sprinkle either. But again, tight end is so volatile. You can find receivers to play other than Richardson, but whereas. You might be stuck at tight end. It's possible. So, yeah. yeah. I, I don't mind the sprinkle call, actually. You can sprinkle them in in certain lineups. <laughs> yeah, ended with a pun. Hey, not, no uh, no pullback from Alessandro there, either. That's good. <laughs> no. He secretly likes them. It's okay. I know. I, I just have to get him to admit them. Admit it probably. <laughs> and the only way to do that is to just continue to say puns at ridiculous pace. Yes, I agree. I'll help you with that. I have been a little bit. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Uh, we do miss Alessandro, though, and hopefully he can be on the uh, part two of the week uh, five matchups. Um, we actually went through quite a few of the games where we have about six left. So um, that'll be great because it'll give us time to go into detail on uh, whatever happens to, uh, tomorrow night between the Rams and the Seahawks. Uh, we can really dissect that because there's probably going to be a lot from that game. I don't know. I'm certainly looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there maybe be a lot of fantasy production in that game. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Anyway, uh, thank you all for listening to the Full Press Fantasy Podcast. This is the Week 5 Preview Part 1. Uh, be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at FPC, at, at, at FPC underscore Fantasy Pod. Also check out uh, all the great content from Full Press Coverage at FP Coverage on Twitter or at FullPressCoverage.com. Uh, be sure to follow not just myself, but my co-hosts. Kayla's at MortonSalt74, Alessandro's at AM underscore Senator, and I'm at Nyama underscore KS. Uh, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to anywhere you listen to podcasts. And on, as always, check us out on the Full Press Radio Network. So on behalf of Kayla and the absentee Alessandro, my name is Kyle Senner, and once again, thank you all for listening to the Full Press Fantasy Podcast. Go A's!